Thanks for being here tonight. I uh, appreciate uh, being the church together with you on uh, Saturday nights. If you're watching online, um, we're glad that you are joining us as well. If you're listening on Spotify and you're like in like a Spotify marathon of Kingsway sermons, uh, you know who you are. Thank you for doing that. Uh, there's lots of ways to sow his word into your heart, and uh, we want to take full advantage of that. Uh, but there's nothing like being in person. Nothing like being together in person. So uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Can you guess where we're going? Somewhere in the back. Yes, Philippians. You're right. So uh, if you can go to, to Philippians, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, and it wasn't really meant to be a series, but it's in, just intriguing to me and continues to speak to me. And over the last, uh, in week one, we talked about uh, how Paul wanted the believers in Philippi and uh, Jesus followers today to know Christ, to grow in him and to overflow with his love. And then we talked in the second week about living life on purpose, living for Christ, living for the gospel and living for eternity. And then last week we had this, uh, this, this talk about having the right attitude and, and maybe just to bring it back attitude check. How do you feel? <laughs> For those who weren't here, you're like, what? <laughs> yes, I feel good. Oh, I feel so good. Uh, it was a, um, you know what? Just go and listen to last week. It will make a whole lot more sense. But we are going to move to um, Philippians 3 today. But before we get to that, uh, this week I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer. And there's this line in that, uh, in the, in the, like the disciples had asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he was teaching them. And he, he just said that in one part it says, give us this day our daily bread. And I know that for most of us, you know, for them, they would have understood it to mean provide for our daily needs. Uh, that's that we trust you for our daily needs. But the more that I, I, I was just intrigued as I was reading it, because I was also reading in another spot where, um, where Jesus, he, he described himself as the bread of life. And, and when he was in the, in the desert with, with the, the Satan, I've learned is the, the title for, you know, the accuser. Uh, he, he, he was tempted to make bread out of stones. And he's like, man doesn't live by bread alone. So even in this prayer, Lord, give me my daily bread. He, there's this thought that you don't live by just bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, the, um, from the word of God and from the mouth of the, of the Lord. And, and so, you know, as he was talking about like being the bread of heaven, he, the, the Jewish people there, the Hebrew people sitting around would re- remember the good old stories of when Moses was leading the people through the wilderness and, and God would send manna every single day. There was, a, there was sustenance for them every single day. And you know, they had a daily dependence on that bread from heaven. And I was just so challenged by that thought. Like, do we have a daily dependence on the, the word of life, the, the bread of heaven, the connection with Jesus in our, in our hearts and lives? I think we have a daily dependence on it, but is, is that daily being, um, that, that need being met um, daily? And so that's what I want to ask you. What, what sustains the real you? You know, you eat food to sustain physical you, but what sustains the real you? The real you on the inside, the, the, the spirit man uh, who you really are. And we've been designed to, to find, that, find that sustenance in the daily bread of, of his word and of his presence. And so as I thought about that, you know, I thought um, we were chatting about it even early, um, with our team tonight. Sometimes the Lord speaks something in your heart and you need it, you know, a, a, a year later. And it comes back to your memory. Uh, Simone was sharing a verse that she had, she had memorized a year ago, and it came back for her this week. And then, you know, maybe sometimes it's like, you know, it's a month from now that you're going to need it, or a week from now. 
And sometimes it's like a couple hours from now. And uh, the, the, the question that I have is, are we listening for his, his word for us? Because um, last week, I had this unfortunate, humbling experience that I will share with you and whoever listens. But I was preaching last week about having an attitude check. And I probably should have been listening a little closer. Because I had this epic attitude failure just a few hours later on Sunday evening. And it was terrible. It was embarrassing. It was in front of my wife and our friends. So even for her, it was embarrassing. It was just this, like, I can't go back and undo this moment. I'm grateful for my friends who are big on forgiveness. But I think, man, had I just humbled myself a little earlier in the day and just listened to that thing and said, hey, Mark, like, attitude check. Like, there's something not right. I probably would not have had to have been humbled later. And so my prayer today is, is truly this. Lord, would you speak to me? What is it that you desire to speak to me? Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, uh, Zach Brown was speaking with our youth, and he was talking to them about the story of Samuel. And when Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, his response was, after a few other, you know, thinking with somebody else, he's like, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I think there's an, that, uh, that attitude for us to say, God, tonight, like, Man, I want you to speak to my heart. I'm listening for you. And that is my prayer today as well. Lord, would you speak to me? Your servant's listening. And so we're going to jump in today and see what it is that he, he has to say. And, you know, he may have something different for each and every one of us. That is the unique um, opportunity that we have with our Heavenly Father. So as we jump into chapter 3, in the first two chapters, Paul was talking to the Philippians about, this is what I want you to know. He even starts to saying, hey, I want you to know, brothers, uh, that this has all happened in my life. This is what I want, I want you to know, that God's still working in you. I want you to know that you should be living your life on purpose. And I want you to know that you need to keep the same attitude that Jesus had. And then in this chapter 3, he changes his tone a little bit and says, you know what? Let me tell you about what I want to know. Let me tell you about who I want to know. And so the talk today, as we go through this, kind of reminds me of those songs that never end. Anybody familiar with Baby Shark? Yeah. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Like, yeah, 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 do, do, do. And it just, like, it just, I know, I know. It just, it'll, it gets stuck in your brain. You're like, some of the older people are like, what? Just don't ask. Don't even Google it. It, is, it, will, ruin your, it will ruin your life. But it is a song that, that just never ends. But maybe you're familiar with another one, you know, from, uh, I don't know, it was uh, 10,000 bottles of pop on the wall, 10,000 bottles of pop. It's online. We have to go with pop. But, you know, you know, take one down and pass it to dad and 9,900. My kids are like, that's too easy. We're doing 10 million. It's like the song that never ends. And then the famous Lamb Chop song. This is the song that doesn't end because it goes on. Yeah, yeah. So we're not. Yeah, not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is a song. And so that is kind of resembles the sermon tonight. And some of you are like, oh, no. <laughs> We're in for the longest sermon ever. Uh, or something else. We take a vote. Or something else. Philippians 3.1. Let's jump in. It says this. Paul's writing. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters. And we'll just pause there. Whatever happens. He's been writing to them, telling them, hey, this is what I'm hoping to get out of jail. But he's like, whatever happens. And, and I thought about this. You know, he might have, if he had filled it in, his whatever may have been, if I get out of jail, you know, or, or, or if I don't. Or, hey, whatever happens, if you end up in jail with me or in some other jail, or if you don't. Uh, he, he's just writing this, this broad spectrum word, whatever. And as I read it, I was like, I was really challenged by it on the, on the, on the second, the day of the election. What's the, what's the whatever in your life right now? Like whatever happens, 
you know, on, on election day, what it, what, whatever happens, it's out of kind of out of our full control. Whatever happens, it's going to happen. But what are the, what are the whatevers in your life right now? And what are the, maybe, maybe more specific, what are the whatevers that like, that consume your thoughts? What are the whatevers that sometimes keep you up at night? What are the whatevers? Like maybe for you, it's like, oh, if you get the job or, you know, you're going to get the promotion or you're going to get the raise. Or maybe it's the opposite. You're going to lose the job. You're going to lose the car. You're going to lose the house. What are the whatevers kind of going on in here right now? Maybe it's bigger. Maybe it's not just about you. Maybe your whatevers are like broader, like, like what's going to happen to our country? You know, what about the WEF, the WHO, the CRT? And if you don't know what those are, you can Google them. But the election, you know, what about, what about the future? What does this mean for us? What, what about, what about, what about, what are the whatevers? Because whatever covers a lot of things. And Paul, when he writes whatever, it's like whatever. It's going to be, could be different for every person who is reading that letter in Philippi. It could be different for every person in this room, but it all lumps us into one category. Hey, whatever happens, and Paul finishes this thought saying this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and he'll do it again later. And he says, because I'm doing it to safeguard your faith. He's like, rejoice in the Lord. You know, delight yourself in the Lord. And we're like, really, Paul? That sounds like a kind of a, like a trite religious cliche, you know? We get to church and that's what we say to each other. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and, and we've, like, we've, we've read other places, you know, where in James he says the similar things. And, and uh, we think, oh, okay, it's like, it's, 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 it's this phrase. It sounds nice, but it is way bigger than that. Paul actually says, hey, brothers and sisters, whatever happens, whatever is happening in your life, rejoice in the Lord because it's a safeguard for your faith. You know, some of those whatevers in our life can really test your faith. It's like, oh, what are we going to do? What's going to happen if it's the whatevers you're going through? What do I do now? And they can really test your faith. And we've seen many people go through some really difficult things. And it's crazy how people can go through very similar experiences. And for one person, it'll turn them bitterly angry at God. And on the other, it's like, man, they've never been closer. And you're just so inspired by how they walk through that terrible situation. They're whatever. How, what, what, what's happening here? Well, somebody's deciding something to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to continue to trust in the Lord. And it becomes a safeguard to their faith. You know, the main thing is to remember that uh, he says to rejoice or to delight in the Lord. And that's what we see in James 1. You know, when you go through struggles, when you go through things, count it all joy, take delight in. Uh, and, and so that's kind of my question. And I think sometimes for us it's difficult to say, oh, okay, this is the whatever. And yes, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm, what is delighting in anyways? Let's just change that. What are some of the things you actually delight in? Because let's figure out how you delight first. What do you delight in? You know, is it like golfing? Some of you are watching online or listening because you're golfing right now. You know, it's like, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> it's sunny. You know, or maybe it's fishing. It's like, oh, that next one. You know, like some of you like so delight in fishing, you fish in your backyard, you know, like just wherever. It's like, man, it just, I just, I just love it. Maybe it's, maybe it's yard sales. You're like, oh, Caledonia was awesome. I found all this free stuff. Can't wait for the next one. You know, can't wait for the next spot. Or, or maybe it's like, nah. Yard sales are too much effort. Amazon, you know, and uh, this is my delight. I find myself going there. I think about, you know, maybe it's screen time. If you're a kid, it's like, oh, just can't wait for screen time. It's, it's all consuming and you just love it. You know, maybe it's concerts or whatever it is. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's like simple. Like it's like the Timmy's double-double. 
And you're like, oh, yeah, I know, I know some of you. It's like, you, you, your car knows your delight. Have you been there where you're like driving and you like automatically turn to Timmy's and you don't even really want a coffee, but your car knows that that's normally, this is where, <laughs> where we go? I know. Why? Because you delight in that. It's like, man, there's, there's these little things of joy uh, or happiness or whatever you want to call it that I find in that. And it's like that, that's kind of what Paul is saying. He's like, hey, whatever you're in, Take that joy, that delight in the Lord. And he reminds them again in chapter 4, verse 4. He says it twice in the same verse. Like, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. Delight in in him. Why? Because it's going to safeguard your faith. He goes on in verse 2, Philippians 3, verse 2. He says, because here's kind of what you need to look out for. And he's like, watch out for those dogs. And if you're like, what dogs? He's like, these ones, those people who do evil those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. He's like, oh, those dogs, okay. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised or saved. He's talking about, he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. What's Paul saying? He's like, hey, when, whatever you're going through, rejoice in the Lord, delight in him, because there's temptation for you and to be kind of entrapped by others into, into a different way of thinking. And so when he, he calls them like dogs. And it's like that picturing the, picturing the dog. It's like, you know, that nice little, you know, guard dog or whatever. It's like, hi, puppy. You know, can you escort me to the front door, please? And this is the response you get. You know, no. <laughs> no. And Paul's like, hey, like this, this is kind of what those people are like in your life. He's like, he says, I want you to understand the people who focus on the external way to salvation. They're all about the external things in your life, you know, and getting in good with God and whatever else. He's like, they're not for you. Like the next time you hear somebody trying to put that on you, he's like, they're not helping you. Remember, he's like, gives them that picture. These are those savage dogs that are after you. You know, because sometimes it's the whatevers in life that actually make people want to all of a sudden they feel compelled to get right with the Lord or they can feel compelled to do something more spiritual. You know, how do we know after nine 11, um, some of you are old enough for remember nine 11 twin towers get hit. You know, the it said, they said the weeks afterwards, the churches were packed. People were like, something is going on in the world. And they began to flood the churches. And you know, the churches had high attendance for a number of weeks. And then what happened? It, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're only going to blow up two buildings or seven or whatever it was. But they're not, you know, I think they're done. So it was nice meeting you people. See ya. And that crisis change just didn't really stick. It was this, this external thing. You know, we found it, and we've lived through it ourselves right here with uh, COVID. A couple of years ago, you know, we, we had COVID, and, and people didn't flood the churches. They did the opposite. The, but what we had an interesting thing is every church had to go online. And so we had a chance to put our videos online, and we actually had them online already because we had a friend named Paul who was watching them. And we'd get about, you know, 90 to 150 views on a weekend, and and then all of a sudden COVID hit and then everybody's home. And so we thought, you know, we probably should be about 300 views because of all the people in our church. First week, 750 views. Do we have our views up there? Yeah, 750 views is like in there somewhere, like in, in, the, in the first week, the, the 315. And then the next week, it's like over a thousand people are live streaming this little church here in Balmoral. They're like, something's happening. We gotta, like, we gotta find out what's going on and we'll check out everybody else's church. I don't know who they were, but like a thousand people. And then on Good Friday, like down here in the corner, oh, Good Friday, oh, it got cut off. 
we had like 5,000 views on our Good Friday service. Yeah, we thought it was like people are like desperately searching for the Lord. That wasn't the case. Somebody had accidentally linked how to get Minecraft for free. And with that, with that link, and we got, we got, we got, we have 5,000 5, views. But, but all I can say is it didn't matter what the number was. It was really fast decline after that. But we saw this decline. And then, you know, we talked about some controversial stuff, up digging, but then it's this decline. And, and it's, this, it's this thing because, you know, even we see it with funerals and people are like, oh, they'll show up at church for a couple of weeks after. And then it's like this, this decline. Why? Because these crisis, external change. I'm going to do something different. I got to get right with God. I'll go to church. I'll do something. That human effort, it doesn't last. It, it was never meant to be the thing and, and it, it doesn't actually work. And Paul's actually warning them and saying, hey, like these people who want to try and like make you, like you, you're already a Jesus follower. They're trying to put on some of these extra things that, that uh, your salvation is dependent on. He's like, don't, don't fall for that. He's, and he says, you know, I know it from personal experience. I used to be that guy. He says in verse 4, Philippians 3, verse 4, he says, though, <laughs> he says, he says, he had just finished by saying, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, he says, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, he's like, I got even more. Listen, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure blood, a pure blood citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a real Hebrew if there ever was one. He's like, I was a member of the Pharisees uh, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He's like, I found a way to make sure that the law, that I was just uh, and righteous in the eyes of the law. And it's almost like Paul puts up like this checklist. He's like, he puts this checklist of boxes. Like, how many boxes can, can, can I check? He's like, this is, this is what it looks like. He says, this is what they're trying to tell you. He's like, you know, he's like pure-blooded. Man, he's like, I'm like, I'm like part of God's kids. You know, like his chosen people. I was born in the right nation, in the right family. You know, when I was a kid, I was thought, you know, like, I, I, my, I, I thought I was like pure Dutch living in Canada. You know, that my, my genes were like Dutch all the way back. And I thought, someday, you know, going to have to marry a good Dutch girl, which I did. I found that. I found her, and we we're like going to have a whole flock of Dutch children, and we're going to keep the pure blood Dutch alive, right? And, and then I found out, like, one of my great-grandparents ran off with a scullery made from France. And so, like, there's like French blood in me, in me just a little bit, like 132nd. But I blame that on any French words I ever used. So that's uh, where that comes from. But here's, here's Paul saying, hey, like, I have the identity, like the name, like I got all of that. Like I'm a child of God. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we see this happen where people are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got the name. You know, I, I'm like, yes, I, I believe there's a God. I, or I was born in a Christian family. And so like my parents dragged me to church, you know, whatever it might be. I go, I go to church, I read the devotionals and stuff, and they think that can, I can check that box, you know? Uh, pure-blooded? Okay, Paul, yeah, I'm with you. Check. And then Paul's like, you know what? Yeah, but I was a, also, I didn't just do devotionals and go to church. He's like, I was a Pharisee. Like, like, I lived there. And Pharisee, we all of a sudden hear, like, I don't know about you, but every time I hear Pharisee, I think the negative side. But these guys were passionate about, about Yahweh. They wanted to, like, they were, like, studying scripture. Like if precept was around, they were probably in it. They're like, we gotta, we gotta know what the scriptures say. We want to, we want to know it. We're at church every day. We study the word. We memorize it. We are going to be like the super Christians. And maybe you're like, well, 
I'm not at that church every day, but I go Saturday nights or Sunday mornings and, and I'm at a Bible study or small group or something. You know, I'm there. Or maybe like the kids, like I got all the gold stars in kids' church. I was like attendant, brought my Bible. I got the memory works, check, check. You know, put, put a check in my box. And then Paul's like, he talks about zeal or passion. And, and, and you think, you know, well, uh, passion. Yeah, man, I'm passionate about God. Like, we do all the coolest songs for worship. You know, they're all the newest ones. We even raise our hands. We clap sometimes. Like, we, we're pretty passionate. And Paul's going to say, hold on. <laughs> Just slow down for a second. Like, I mean, like, I was passionate, so passionate, that, like, I killed people. I arrested and killed people in the name of God. And you're like, okay, then uh, I've judged them in my heart. My, maybe that counts the same. You know, it's a thought that counts. You're like, you're like, I can't even find common ground on this, but we try. You know, maybe it's a thought, well, I went on a missions trip or, you know, I, I gave quite a bit of money in the offering last year. My tax return came in. It was quite a bit. You know, I'm like, I, I, I'm like a part of this. And then, he, you know, we checked the box. Or, and then Paul moves on to this thing, righteousness. And he says, you know, righteousness is, is he, he has this word that he's talking about where he's like, man, it's like self-righteousness. It was like, I found out, you know, I thought I was good with God based on everything that I could see and everything I could read. And, and, and I, I don't know if you find yourself in that place sometimes. It's like, yeah, like I'm doing all that stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss church. I'm not, I'll be there for, you know, I'll keep giving or whatever. But it's like, it's almost lost its meaning. It's like, yeah, I do those things. And it's, if, you, if you sit back and think about it, it's like, you know, maybe like I'm just doing this stuff sometimes to just try and impress God, maybe. Or maybe, you know, impress others or make sure that they're not, you know, unimpressed with me. You know, maybe God's watching, you know, God, you see, I'm like checking the boxes. It was a nice sunny day and I'm here, you know, check, check the boxes. And why do I... Why am I challenged by that? Because here's the thought that Paul's talking about. He says, are, are we doing any of these things? Are we doing those things to impress him or for some reason? Or is it to truly to know him? Is the time where I sing, it's not because that's what we do. It's because, God, I want to know you. God, I want your presence in my life. Here I am. And God, I, I want to sing of what you've done in my life. Lord, meet me in this moment. I came to church tonight, or I'm watching online, not because, oh, I had to catch up and see if he's got any funny jokes or whatever. It's like, no, God, I, I, I want to hear your voice. Like, I need the daily bread for today. I have, it's been great all week at home, you and me. This is that chance with, you know, others to, to hear it for myself. God, is that, is that the thing? And I wonder sometimes, because I don't know, I, I'm, I'm real good at like, yeah, we can check some boxes. I remember uh, I took my gun safety course this year. And uh, they, you know, you have to fill in all the blanks and the boxes. And then, and then you have to get the, they, the teacher, the instructor marks the test right in front of you. You have to look over his shoulder as he goes down. So if there's anything wrong, he can explain it to you. And I was like, whew, I'm watching him. He's checking the boxes. I checked. And like at the end, whew, you passed. You know, like, whew, sweet. I checked all the boxes. But can I tell you there's a real difference between watching that, like oh, all the boxes checked and picking up that gun? and putting it in your shoulder, and pulling the trigger, and experiencing the power, and the sound, and everything that, was, that this whole thing was all about. <laughs> and I, just to be honest, sometimes I find myself in the, bo- in, in the boxes. It's just, you know, like, it's not that the, the, the heart's desire isn't, God, I just want to know you more. It's just, this is what I do. And so I feel Paul's like, he's stirring some of this up, saying, hey, if it ever gets to be about these external things only, 
or you think, hey, you know, I'm going to keep doing it because I want, you know, I want God to be happy with me on that final day or whatever it is. He's like, there's so much more to it. Let me remind you. Philippians 3 verse 7. He says, I once thought, which means I don't anymore. I once thought those things were valuable, that there was some advantage to them. He says, but now I consider them what? Worthless because of what Christ has done. He's like, I, thought, I once thought that that, they, that was an advantage. That was worth pursuing, that those external things were, were worth doing in and of themselves. Most of those things, many of those things, it's not like we say, okay, stop coming. No more, no more singing worship. No more prayers. No more reading the Bible. That's just, you know. Now, he's saying, if, if it's just those things on their own, thinking there's something powerful about them in of themselves, I'm missing the point. And he said, that's what I, he says, that's what I was doing. I was just like, man, I was after that. I set my whole life to pursue those things, but not anymore. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Like every religion out there has tried to find rules and rituals that are going to get me closer to God. And they're miserable. But Christianity can become the same way. And we just listed them. These are the things that if they become a rule and a ritual, oh man, they're going to get hard and empty. But he says, but I, I, I don't, I'm not doing that that way anymore because of what Christ has done. I'm not trying to get close to him. He came to get close to me. He came to a manger and he died on a cross so he could get close to me so I could be close to him. I didn't have to, to go super far, but he wants to be with me and he wants me to be with him. And that's possible. Philippians 3.8, he says, yeah. He's like, not only are those things worthless, he says, everything else is worthless. What was he talking about? He's like, all the things that I was pursuing, like they're religious sounding good things, but he says they're worthless. But he says, everything else is too. When you compare it to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, you know, I get to know him infinity and beyond. You know, it's like, this is, <laughs> there's, there's, like, if you think about it, he's like, you'll realize nothing else has a shine anymore. It just, it just doesn't. If you'll get, that, if you'll get that, that revelation of knowing Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I've discarded everything else. I counted all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. What did Paul, he discovered something that changed the way he thought about God. You know, Jesus had told parables about it. Maybe you remember them. He's like a man goes out and he finds this uh, treasure in a field. And he's like, oh man, this isn't my field yet. Go sells all this stuff. He's like, I, I need to buy this field. And the guy's like, I want this. He's like, fine, d- done. What does he do? He goes and he grabs that treasure. Because he's like, man, it is all about it. None of that matters now that I found this. He talks about a merchant who found like a pearl of great price, except the problem is somebody else owned it. And he's like, that is like thee. That is, that is everything I've been looking for my whole life. And it's just right there. Man, I'll go, I'll go sell everything. I'll go get rid of everything else because I, man, I want that pearl. And Jesus isn't talking about treasures and pearls. He's like, if you catch a glimpse, if you taste and see that the Lord is good, if you catch a glimpse of what it is to know God, he's like, it's going to have that same thought that everything else loses its shine. And, and, and so I'd ask myself this question. I wrote in my journal this week, what do I value? What am I pursuing? Really, what am I pursuing? Is it success? Is it approval? Is it relationships? Is it validity? Is it comfort? What is it? Like, what, what is my life? Like, what, what is that kind of that goal? Like, ah, it's what I'm reaching for. I think it's a good question for us to ask. Because Paul's like, hey, you know what? This pursuit of Christ, he's like, everything else in life is, well, garbage. I, I, I like maybe it's the British word, rubbish. You know, rubbish. Oh, Okay, yeah, put that up. Because actually, that's, <laughs> I looked it up today. You know, what, what is Paul saying? Everything else is considered. And, and that is the word. It's excrement is what the word is. 
you know, to polit- politically correct, you know, the excrement, the fecal matter of the male bovine. That's what he's like. This is what he's like. This is the, the best emoji I could show for what everything else is. If you compare it to knowing Christ, it's 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 like dung. It's not it's not what you think it is. I'm like, OK, tell us how you really feel, Paul. Those are really strong words. None of it's worth anything compared to knowing Christ. And I'm like, do I think that way? Or what are the things that I I think are still worth pursuing? And Paul just says, you know what? This is where I'm at. I'd rather rather give up all of that that I might gain Christ and be found in him. We're like, Paul, like, don't you already know Christ? And this is is the thing, like, you're writing the Bible, Paul. Like, how, how are you still saying this? And I don't know, but he is. He's like, man, I just, I just want to know him. Like, I, everything, let everything else go that I might know him. We'll find that out at, at the end what he's talking about. But for instance, maybe like, yeah, but I, well, I still need a job, or at least my parents tell me I do. You know, like, I'm still going to need a job. And it's like, yes, I'm going to need a job, but that job's not going to define me. That job's not going to be the thing that I find my, you know, that, that I find my validity in, or that's going to consume my time, or it's going to distract me from him, or it's going to be my all in all. No, it, it's, it, I, I might need it, but it's him that I'm serving in that place. Maybe it's relationships. It's like, you know, the family and friends. Well, do I cut them all out? No, not necessarily. He's like, but man, I'm, 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 I'm following him first. Uh, we had this play that we, my kids and a bunch of others, the homeschool kids did uh, a week ago or so in, in a barn. And they handed out this brochure. And in the brochure is a little picture of all the kids who are performing in the play and a little bio about them. And the question was just simply asked, you know, hey, um, uh, what, what do you like? Or, you know, what best describes you? And then they would kind of all write these things that they did. And then there was this one girl's, and this is like simply, this was her answer. Someone like, we go scootering. I like to play at this and this and this. And what, you know, it was, uh, hers was just simply this. Jesus, family, horses, in that order. I was like, man... A child shall lead them. You know, just, just Jesus first. It really is. And then family and horses, whatever else, but it's in that order. You know, for us, sometimes I think it's like, we you know, devos and prayers and worship and church attendance. They're good, but they're only good if they're being used for us to know him. Because it's so easy to check the box. I did a devotion. Check. Like the version Bible app is... <laughs> go through and you check a box. You literally check a box. I did it. I've done. But I love when I'm reading through there and there's people like, oh man, George, you know too. Just you watch and people are like, okay, wait a second. I slowed down enough and this is what he's speaking to me. And it gets written out there because I'm not, I'm not just here to check a box. I want to know him. Here's what Paul says, Philippians 3 verse 9. He finishes with this. He's this part, he says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ, through trusting in him. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And verse 10, I want to know Christ. He begins this list. I want to know him. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. He's like, man, you know, I thought righteousness, I had the checkmarked box. He said, but no, no, not anymore. My right standing with God is completely, completely based in knowing Christ. Not, you know, we, we think, you know, like the no confidence in the flesh, we don't fully understand. We think, you know, my, my salvation is based on I said a prayer at, at Billy Graham or, you know, I went up to an altar call or I believe something about Jesus. And he says, no, he's like, it's about knowing him. It's what Jesus prayed in the garden. 
when he was praying in John 17, he says this in John 17, 3, he says, and this is the way to have eternal life. And actually in the, in the original, it's just like, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. What is it? To know you. That, that's it. That is eternal life, to know him and the one true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. It's not simply saying a prayer or believing truth claims. It's like, no, it's truly knowing him daily. Jesus said I, <laughs> that my pursuit is knowing, is knowing you. And then he says, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, there's going to be people in the last days who they have a form of godliness, but they have no power at all. The power to make them godly is non-existent. He's like, they think they have it, but they've got nothing. He's like, man, I don't want that. Man, I, want the, I want to experience that power. And then finally, he says, I want to suffer with him. I'm like, man. It's like, wait, what? This could be the title of this sermon too. Like, what do you mean, Paul? You want to suffer with him? Who wants to suffer? And I think when I was just prepping for this, I had these two thoughts. Paul understands from other stuff that he's written is that suffering's inevitable. He's like, man, we just expect it. As a Jesus follower, it's coming. And he says, so he's like, there's going to be suffering guaranteed in this life. And I see Paul's like, okay, I want to suffer with him. I don't want to suffer, but if I know I'm going to suffer, I want to do it with him. Have you seen people suffer with him versus people who suffer without? He's like, man, now this is, this is like, I'm with him. That's why whatever happens I'm going to delight myself in the Lord because if I'm suffering, I'm going to do it with him. And then second, you know, he understood that, su- that suffering, it actually develops endurance and character and those things in our life that we sometimes think, you know, oh God, that's what I want. I just pray that I'll feel close to you. Guess what? Ha- guess where you feel real close to God? <laughs> when you're suffering, I know. And it's like, God doesn't like bring those things on you, but man, he, he, won't, he won't deny that prayer request in those times. You know, it's in those times that we often feel closest to God, which is like Paul's goal. He's like, man, I just want to know him. And man, if that's going to be the case, I'm sitting in a prison cell right now. Man, I, I, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to experience his power. I, I, want to, uh, I want to suffer with him. I want to do it all. And so this is our question tonight. Do we? Do I? You can answer it for you. I'm going to have to answer it for me. Do I really want to know him, to continue to know him, to truly know him, to pursue him above all else. And that's my prayer. God, if it's not there yet, would you stir that desire up in me? Because ultimately, that's what I know I want. That's what I know I want. So let's close with this thought. Think, well, that's Paul, though, writing this. Like, he had it all together, right? Like, he wrote the Bible. (laughs) Thanks, Paul, for giving us the example. You did it. Yay, Paul. Let me just read Paul's words to us tonight. Philippians 3, verse 12, the very next verse. He's like, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm like telling you these things. Like, this is what it's all about, knowing him. But that's what I want to do. I'm not, he says, I haven't fully achieved this. He says, or that I've already reached perfection in this. He's like, but I, I press on. Why? Well, I, I want to possess that perfection for what Christ Jesus first possessed me. What's he saying? He's like, Jesus died for me for a purpose, to know him. And I'm going to keep pushing till, I, till, till he receives exactly what he gave his life for, that I would know him. He's like, no, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. He's like, I'm not there yet. Anybody else? Oh, please raise your hand for that. 
or I will give you the mic and you can take over. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Me neither. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's just simply saying for today, not there yet today. I'm not, but that's the goal daily is that that's where I want to know him. And I'll forget the past. Why? Because yesterday's unchangeable, but today is unwritten. Man, you've got the rest of today yet. You think however many hours are left in this day, you've got the opportunity to pursue. You know, you could say, well, whatever the choice could be in life. But man, you know what, God, I I haven't been, I just haven't been uh, pursuing you yet today. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sit quietly. God, just you and me, like, solidify what I heard tonight here so it changes me so that tomorrow my desire is like, God, God, I want more of you. I want to know you more. Leave you two last things. Why is he says, I, I, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. I wonder how many of us, when we get to heaven, are going to be surprised with what the prize is. Because, you know, we're so consumed with what we can get here and everything else. And I've heard it preached lots of times. You're going to get these great crowns. <laughs> you know, the mansion, the streets of gold. It's like all of this stuff for you. It's going to be awesome. You're going get to get to hang out with your family members. It's going to be great. You won't have any fights at Christmas anymore. You know, it's, it's going to be wonderful. Do you know that none of those things are the prize, really? The prize will be like, oh, face to face with the God of all creation that I am now, I know him as I'm known. And it will be more than, it won't matter who's there because he's there and I'm there. And, and that is, that is what I've been pursuing my whole life. But I almost feel like in our North American culture, we've been pursuing everything else as Christians and we're gonna be shocked when we get there. And be like, oh, I'm glad I made it, but this is not what I was expecting. I hope that we will. You know, because life in the spirit, what is eternal life? Eternal life is, it has started already. You're not going to, you know, you're live inside as a Jesus follower. You're, you're never going to die again. You're living your eternal life now. What does it look like? Ah, oh, him and me. That's why they always talk in scripture about live by the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit because guess what? You've been eternally designed to live that way. And one day, none of the extra stuff, the trappings will be there anymore. And that's why he says all of it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like excrement. It's really like you're not, you're going to look back someday and go, oh, Why? Why did I value that? And so that's why Paul says, whatever happens, brothers and sisters, what? Okay. Rejoice in the Lord. So we're going to start over. We're going to go back to the beginning. All right, so take your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Whatever happens to your brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because it is a safeguard for your faith. And there's dogs out there. But we've been there. We've been there. Because whatever happens, those whatevers have a way of challenging your faith. That's why I feel like it's like that song that never ends. Because it loops back and says, hey, <laughs> you're going to need this tomorrow. Man, that reminder. He's the one to know. Because everything else be like, oh, yeah. It's like, nope, no, no. I, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. And if it was good enough for Paul, hey, it was good enough for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I don't think I quite have the right words for how, how to pray what we need. But you do, and uh, 
Lord, you, you hear the longings of hearts here tonight. You hear it. You know it. You know that deep desire we have in our hearts for you. Jesus, I, I just want to say thank you for saving me, for starting, starting us on that path. But I just pray that tonight, as we go from this place, wherever we may be in our walk and our journey with you, that we just feel this drawing to take that next step, whatever it may be, but to take it with you. I, I can't stir up that in my own heart, but Holy Spirit, I ask that you would. Would you stir up that same desire in each of us here tonight to know you? That whatever we do in our life to learn or grow closer, that, it, that that passion would be simply to know you. May we sing different. May we study different. May we just be different. And may you be glorified in the results in our lives. I pray this in your name. Amen. So tonight I'm going to leave you some questions that we always do, but I, I, I really, we always encourage you to find some ch- time to chat about this. But this might be one of those ones where you just really got to sit with you and him and just wrestle some of these things through. So number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? Second, which whatevers in your life make it difficult for you to rejoice in the Lord? I know that's a really strange way of wording it. But I hope you get what I'm asking. What are the, what are the whatevers in your life right now that are, are making it difficult for you to rejoice in the Lord, to choose that? Third, could you relate to Paul's checklist? Yeah, there's a few things I'm doing, and I'm just like, uh, if I'm honest, the motivation behind it isn't to know him. Or that it was at one time, but it's not anymore. It's checking a box, and then why are we not? And then finally, what things challenge your desire to know Christ daily, and why? What is it that draws your distractions away? It can be simple things. Sometimes in my life, it's like baby quail. <laughs> Got to go and take care of them or, or something else that I'm like, hey, saying to my father-in-law this morning, like the election, I was like, oh, I'm so passionate about, because I'm a passionate person. And I'm like, when am I going to learn that he, his design is for the church to be this thing? It's not this, poli- the p- politics thing is like, but I'm like, ah, he's just, it's what he's working on me. Just glad this over. <laughs> What is it for you? What is it for you that challenges your desire to know Christ daily? And then I would challenge you to push past that uh, because you won't regret it. I know I'm not. So thank you for tonight and uh, a blessing on your week. And I will not be here next Saturday, but you don't want to miss it. It is, uh, we got a a firecracker coming in. So it'll be worth, worth being here for. So that's all we'll say. Uh, You're dismissed.